Good morning, all of you. This is July 4th weekend. It's July the 3rd, and our church is not meeting in this space because of the Independence Day event. And we can't get to the church and its parking lots in order to have worship. So we are taping this weekend. I'm grateful that we have the capability to do this, and so here we are. Welcome to worship today. I'm going to read our story, which comes out of Luke chapter 10 today. This is a story, of course, it's about halfway through Luke's gospel. Uh, Jesus has just in the last chapter turned his face toward Jerusalem, which means that he himself is beginning to move uh, in his spirit and in his body and with his disciples on a slow meandering trip to move back to Jerusalem. And so here we are, the mission of the 70 is what this this uh, piece of scripture is about. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the, its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. And then we jump over to verse 16 that says this, Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I've given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The signing of the Declaration of Independence began when a patriot gang, hungry for freedom, signed a declaration for freedom 246 years ago in Philadelphia. This weekend, we're celebrating the independence of spirit that brought a group of dissenting colonists together to form a new nation. In signing the Declaration of Independence, they put their names in print for the whole world to know. 
to note especially that they refused to bow in allegiance to the King of England. Today we joke about putting your John Hancock down on important documents, but back then, know that it was risky business and it meant they were willing to die for their cause. By mid-June in 1776, the Continental Congress appointed five men to a committee in order to draft a document that would eventually be signed by all the colonies. John Hancock was the first to sign it. He's widely known for his signature. In fact, almost all of us have seen it and noted it in the center of the page. He's widely known for this because he signed with enough conviction to, to put his signature in large and unmistakable writing. Have you ever tried to understand the brazen spirit that it must have taken to sign that amazing document? There must have been a strong kindred feeling among the 56 signers, the ones who were doing something amazingly right and that the bond of their commitment would overcome any fear they might have to die for their cause. You see, as it turned out, the document did cost them severely. Nine of the signers died of wounds or hardships during the Revolutionary War. Five were captured or imprisoned, at times with brutal treatment. The wives, sons, and daughters of others were killed, jailed, mistreated, persecuted, or left penniless. One signer lost all nine of his children. The houses of 12 signers were burned to the ground. 17 lost everything that they owned. Every signer was proscribed as a traitor. Everyone was hunted. Most of them were driven off into flight. Most of them were offered immunity, freedom, property, rewards, or the release of loved ones to recant. And no signer defected or changed his stand even in the darkest of hours, although his life and fortune were subject to forfeiture. In an earlier time of risky challenges, Jesus brought his followers together and teamed them up in dyads, in twosomes, partners, and charged them with simple but demanding instructions. And like the mother bird who pushes the young baby birds out of the nest to teach them to fly, Jesus sent them out with little more than show and tell instructions. Share what you have, show them my love. In hindsight, Jesus treated them like a bunch of migrant workers. Hear what he said to them. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It sounds like migrant workers, doesn't it? They were expected to go where the work was, doing a level of work no one was standing in line to do, with few visible rewards. There was no false illusion that morning as he handed out the assignments that he had for them. They kept looking around, looking for a truckload of real workers who would show up to relieve them, implying that the workers might be more suitable for this kind of lowly service. But they were his disciples, weren't they? The learners. Surely he didn't mean for them to work under the kind of instructions he was giving them, 
But no truckload of helpers showed up. There were no reinforcements on the horizon, and they were left to serve in the same way as the master who wrapped a towel around his waist and simply served them. Jesus made it very clear. When you go, when you tell people about the kingdom of God, I don't want you to take a lot of extra stuff. It's very obvious he wants them to travel light. Just go with what you have. Depend on the hospitality of those who welcome you. And when you don't, don't move, when you go, don't move from house to house looking for the best place to live. Stay where you are because I don't want anybody to get the impression you're making economic choices in the name of God. Even if it's a straw mattress, accept it. And whatever they set before you for a meal, eat it. Don't look down at the table and say, oh my goodness, I can't eat that. And why the instructions about food, you may ask? Jesus understood that the food that would be placed in front of them would occasionally be kosher Jewish food, and other times it might be Gentile food. He was suggesting don't reject one or the other because he didn't want anyone to think that we make racial, national, or ethnic distinctions before God. Not economic, not racial, national, ethnic, not at all. I want you to make it clear that everybody, whether they eat country food or whether they serve a ritually clean or pure kosher meal, or whatever they serve is food for the Gentiles. Before God, they are all the same. Is that clear, he asked them? Yes, they responded, that's clear. Then I want you to say to them, to your host, now the kingdom of God is here. And that's the good news. God's love and grace is here in the person of Jesus Christ. We represent Jesus Christ in this moment. And God sends us out into the harvest, on the campus, maybe, in the apartment buildings where we live, to the workplace, across the street, around the corner, the homes and the ministry centers, wherever help is needed, wherever Christ is needed, whatever needs doing, do it, he says. Well, there's something else that's happening something more than meets the eye. New Testament scholar John Dominic Crossan claims in this simple assignment are the roots of the early church. Here's what he said. Sending out this group by twos and threes to operate independently was an organizational strategy of brilliance. John the Baptist movement, on the other hand, was ended with the single sword stroke that decapitated him. Herod and Caesar had no trouble ending John's power and scattering his followers. But Jesus decentralized his movement and became unstoppable. By the time of Jesus' crucifixion, there were hundreds of commissioned ministers scattered all over, sharing the good news. The news of Jesus' death would have taken weeks to slowly catch up to them all but they were scattered to the wind. They were doing the will of God. In the show and tell of God's love, they were already witnessing the blind regaining their sight and the lame on their feet walking. 
The Spirit is with us, they could whisper to one another. Christ is alive in us, they said. And from then on, there was no stopping the Jesus movement. Pentecost was gas on the flame that was already flickering, scattering new converts to all the corners of the earth, wherever they were given a welcome, a place to sleep, and a meal. On this Independence Day weekend, that's a great place to land. We must be willing, like those early patriots who found the inner strength to stand up and say no to the tyranny of some who would dictate to you how you were to relate to God. You have been set free by the power of Jesus' life and by the resurrection of Christ from the grave. You are free. Now in your own independence and among the family of God, live free and share the good news wherever you go. You don't have to be persuasive. You're not selling anything. This is not a sales pitch. Just be faithful to the story and your experience. It's the gospel of God, the goodness of God in human hands, your hands and mine. Would you join me in praying, please? Gracious God, we give thanks to you who have sent us out into the world bearing the story, bearing your life in our lives, that you have placed us out in the world so that the, the world might have a chance to encounter this Jesus. Bless and keep us in the coming weeks. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.